Lesson One: Basic Hip. Welcome to the Jazz Session. I'm Jason Crane. The Jazz Session is presented by AllAboutJazz.com, the web's leading source for jazz news, reviews, MP3 downloads, and more. The Jazz Session is also available for free at thejazzsession.com and in iTunes. Today's guest is trumpeter Herman Mahari from the band Diverse. They knew what they were doing when they called this one "Untitled Hit Tune." My guest is trumpeter Herman Mahari. He is part of the band Diverse, and their debut recording, a self-titled debut recording, is out now on Origin Records. And uh, Herman Mahari, it's my pleasure to welcome you to the show. Thanks for being here. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. Well, this record came about in a fairly uh, interesting way. Will you talk first of all about how four out of the uh, five members of the band first got together? Yeah, um, four of the members: me, Ryan, Will, and Ben. Uh, are still students at UMKC, and we were when we started the band. And Bobby Watson is the director of jazz studies there, and he let us, uh, he trusted us enough to let us start our own independent group where we would rehearse and seek out gigs on our own. So you had kind of a, a combo class or something, but he let you guys do something even beyond that, or was it completely off program, so to speak? It was, it was, you know, it was at Ben's house. Um, it was on our own time, on our own schedule. Um, it was we did receive credit, but it was up to our discretion of, of how much we did with it. And we well, we were really serious about it, and we wanted it to be a, a a group that would stay together for a long time. Why do you think Bobby Watson trusted you guys with you know kind of that level of uh, self direction? Bobby, um, he, you know, he has really mentored us for a while. The only guy that's the youngest guy is, is Ryan Lee, the drummer, and he is very mature in both his playing and, and his professional attitude. So, so Bobby had seen us kind of grow and and start doing things on our own already, and he he had taken some of us over to Europe to play a festival with him, and and he just showed that he really believed in us, and so. I think it was just kind of natural for for this independent combo to come about. Now, I've never been to Kansas City, and you know, when you think of Kansas City and jazz, your mind always you know, goes back uh, many, many decades. Mm-hmm. So, what kind of a scene is there in Kansas City now for uh, kind of a group such as yourselves who are you know kind of establishing yourselves in the jazz world? What kind of a scene is there for you to find opportunities to play and, and work out your music? 
That's a, that's a good and interesting question. Um, Kansas City is really, really rooted in the tradition, and um, there's a lot of older guys in town that play around a lot, and that's mainly what you see, but, but there's still some, there's a few young groups around, and each group is starting to get its own following, and Diverse has had a lot of support in the community, and we've, we perform probably every few months in Kansas City, and, and there's always a, a great turnout. Our CD release was uh, at, at the Blue Room, um, was, was sold out, and we did a show back in February with Jaleel Shaw, and that was sold out. And so it kind of gives us hope. We, we see in our audience is a really uh, diverse demographic, which is, like I said, is usually, it, it's unusual because there's a lot of the older guys that are usually the ones that are playing around town. And, but I think we are um, one, of, one of, you know, we're a young group that's kind of doing our own thing, but we're also trying to play music that a lot of people can appreciate. Well, I'm not surprised to hear that you're drawing, you know, a, a pretty. Uh, we're going to keep using this word, I think, a pretty diverse crowd, especially given the quality of the writing on the record. And I want to talk about that in a few minutes. But first, I want to kind of continue the story of how the record itself came to be. So you guys uh, formed this band at the University of Missouri, Kansas City, uh, kind of under the tutelage of Bobby Watson. But that's still a long way from a record deal. Can you talk about how you got to that point? The band was rehearsing, rehearsing every week and and playing some gigs and we played a um, you know a couple of festivals here and there um, in Missouri and I stumbled across the Gene Harris Jazz Competition which was part of the Gene Harris Jazz Festival and that would take place in Boise Idaho and I came across it because I was actually looking to see places that one of my favorite saxophone players Kenny Garrett. Was performing, I saw that he was playing with Roy, Hain- Roy Haynes' Birds of the Feather Band in Boise, Idaho. I also, consequently, I saw the, uh, the the competition on the website too, and I said, "Hey, why don't we enter this? The worst thing that can happen is we go to Boise and get to see Roy Haynes' Birds of the Feather group, um, and obviously, the best thing that can happen is if we win the competition." And so we we all agreed to do it. And so, what was the prize in the competition? The, the prize was. And actually, at, at this point in time, it was this was one. There was two things, and the first prize was the chance to open for Roy Haynes' Birds of the Feather Group, and that was actually the, the the main thing I think we were looking forward to. And then the other prize was a record deal uh, with Origin Records uh, to do a CD project, and that turned out to be even more. We should have been more, you know, stoked for that at the time, but. Uh, and def- we've definitely seen uh, the fruits of that come about recently, which has been great. So when you guys went to uh, Boise, I believe the full name is Boise, Idaho, Jazz Capital of the World. When you guys went to uh, <laughs> to Boise, did you bring all your own repertoire, many of the tunes that are included on the record here? Yeah. Um, the competition wanted, they really wanted to push original music. So we brought about, I'd say, most of the tunes we did, except maybe a couple originals. There was about three rounds down there, so we played something different every round. Uh, well, 
uh, we opened up the show with... Um, I should say, first of all, the first time I listened to this record, uh, first of all, before I knew anything about you guys, I, I hadn't read nothing. I had read nothing of the liner notes or anything about the contest. I just put the record in uh, as one of you know hundreds of records that arrive you know over the course of a couple of weeks. And this one really jumped out because the writing is so strong, and uh, it just sounded like such an established group, and I'd never heard of it before. And it was only then that I discovered you know that you're all still in college, and uh, it made it even more impressive. And I remember when I got to the uh, ninth track on here, when it started, I thought, man, that's that's a jazz radio hit if there ever was one. And so I went over to grab the CD case to look and see what the name of it was. And it's a tune that we heard at the top of the show, Untitled Hit Tune. <laughs> and as soon as I read the title, I thought, these guys have got me. Because <laughs> if you can combine playing of that quality with a song called untitled hit tune you've got something going on <laughs> so uh let's talk let's just start right out with that track and talk about how that you guys are kind of unafraid to bring your sense of humor to the stage as well Well, as far as untitled hit tune, it started. It was that was one of the two tunes on the on the CD that that we wrote as a group, and that's I think that's one of the aspects that was really cool about the tune. We were just rehearsing, and it and and Ben started playing this bass line, and uh, we said, "Hey, hey, hey, you know that sounds great." He says, "Yeah, this kind of sounds like a, a Victor Wooten thing," and and we all kind of laughed, and then uh, we all just started. Adding parts to it, um, Ryan Lee, the drummer, is, is a great piano player as well, and so he, you know, him and John were sitting there trying to figure out the chords and what to play, and you know, Will and I were, you know, thinking about melodies and, and what to play, and we we kind of just built a tune like that in that rehearsal, and I think after afterwards we were just kind of joking and said, hey, it's our new hit, you know, we got a we got a new hit, and so we we decided to call it Untitled Hit Tune. talk a little more about the writing and i wonder um first of all i i imagine although i don't know anything about the curriculum uh, that that bobby lays down but i have to believe that composition is a part of it because that's a huge part of who he is too okay. so can you talk a little bit about uh, the kind of composition studies you guys have had that have allowed you to bring writing of this quality to the record first of all i'd say ben lifer is 
is actually a composition major, and uh, he we have a really good composition faculty at at, at UMKC, and this is like classical comp- composition, it's not just jazz. So um, he's the most prolific out of everybody in the group, and and that, that's shown on the CD. He he has a I'd say the best knowledge as far as composition theoretically is concerned, but also Bobby has a a, a number of classes we have. You know, arranging classes and big band stuff, and and different different classes. They're kind of geared around composition, and also Bobby talks about it in his lessons as well. So it's it's a big part of, uh, definitely a big part of uh, what we do, and we we realize the importance of it as well. Do you guys feel, or oh, I, I, you don't have to speak for everybody? Do, do you do you feel uh, lucky to be able to be so continually in the presence of somebody like Bobby Watson? Oh yeah. I was actually just reflecting earlier today, you know, that if I ever uh, move, which I, which I will, I'm sure I will, um, I'm just going to miss being around Bobby so much, and, and not just because he's he's a great mentor and a great teacher and and performer, but over the, over the years he's going to be a great friend as well. So you guys go to to Boise. Mm-hmm. You uh, you play in the competition, and obviously you're victorious because we're talking about the record. Um, but you also got to open for uh, Roy Haynes' band, right? Mm-hmm. So talk yeah. about that experience. Well, uh, well, the experience as a whole was actually pretty crazy. We drove up to the competition in John Brewer's van, and John's a keyboard player, and he wasn't in the band yet. But we were all in his red van. It was a 21-hour road trip straight to Boise. We we, it's 21 hours one way? Yes. Wow. From, from Kansas City. That's, that's, a, that's a long trip to Boise right there. Yeah, it was, it was pretty long, but it was great. It was a great bonding experience. Um, yeah, you know, or it could be the very last hurrah <laughs> yeah. of the band. There's really There's two ways risk. that can go, right? There's always a risk, right. Um, but luckily for us, it was, a, it was a good bonding experience. We had a great time. You know, the inside jokes that any, any other band would have on the road you know, developed and the like I said before, the competition was three rounds. We had a great time. Boise was beautiful, and the competition was really, really uh, fierce. They're great bands. Um, one from New York, one from Iowa, one from uh, Seattle, L.A., and some from Boise. And and we were just surprised at the level of competition. We didn't know what to expect, but we figured it was either going to be it was either going to be a really easy competition or really hard. Um, we figured it might not be a you know kind of middle ground thing, and it was a really tough competition. And we were glad for it because we met some great musicians up there, and we the fact that they were so good makes the the reward even sweeter, I should say. Thank you. 
so was it kind of a you know there were X number of bands in the beginning and they all play one tune and they eliminate some and then a smaller group goes on to the next round or how yeah. did it work? Um, there was about eleven bands and and they were they were picked out by uh, recordings that were sent in and the first round eliminated about half of them and then the last day had two rounds and you know every time they would they would announce who would go on we were just kind of sitting in our seats kind of like holding our our, uh, our knees is kind of you know really nervous because the band is so good and the on the last day they announced the three bands are going to finals and we were one of them and and the, the last round was that night uh, and we we were kind of strapped for tunes we were almost out of tunes at that point um, because some of the tunes that you hear on the CD aren't weren't already written yet and so we all got together in a practice room and wrote a tune. It ended up being called Boise, and it looks like Boise on the CD. Another tune we got from John, we learned one of John's tunes, because we really liked his writing, and one of his tunes called Bed Writing, which is also on the CD, we learned that day, and we played a Stevie Wonder, uh, Stevie Wonder tune called If It's Magic in the last round. And were the, uh, the people judging it, were any of the names we would know or, or not? Um, John Bishop from Origin Oh, yeah, sure. You know, I think Chad was there, Chad McCullough, who also works at Origin. And then the guys running the festival, and there are local Boise people there as well in different rounds. So in the in the last round, uh, kind of describe the atmosphere. What Where were you playing? What was the crowd like? How were you guys feeling? How the last you? round was at a, at a, a knitting factory, um, which is typically a rock club, um, but... It was great. Acoustics were great. And we we were the last band to go, and so we got to hear the other bands, and they sounded terrific. One was from L.A. and one was from Seattle, and we were just blown away. But you know, we got up and we played those three tunes, uh, two of which we had learned that day, which was kind of risky. But the audience really responded well, and, I, and we won the crowd favorite as well. And um, then they did a jam session with all the groups together, and which is a really great experience. And after that, they announced the band that won, which was us, and we just, we it was unbelievable. We just couldn't believe it. <laughs> and so uh, was it the next night that the Roy Haynes show was going to happen? Correct. Uh, the next night, uh, Roy Haynes performed, and we, we opened up for him. And, and Nicholas Payton and uh, Christian McBride and... It was Donald Harrison on sax, actually, which is a funny thing because we were hope you know we we went up to see Kenny Kenny Garrett and Roy Haynes on the and you poor guys you had to settle for Donald Harrison <laughs> yeah yeah what right a, what a shame <laughs> that is yeah <laughs> <laughs> well I mean let you guys opened for Roy Haynes for God's sake I mean Roy Haynes who's in his 80s who played with everybody uh, from you know Charlie Parker to John Coltrane and then now everybody plays with him mm-hmm. uh, I, I kind of wonder. And please don't take this the wrong way, because this used to drive me nuts when I was exactly the same age as you are when people ask me things like this. But I don't know what kind of a student of jazz history you were before this point. So, I mean, were you able to appreciate the fact that this is Roy Haynes? Oh, you're up oh definitely. I'm a, I love, first of all, I love jazz history, and, I, and, I, and I've studied it, and I, you know, I like to really know about the players that I listen to. And, and Roy Haynes is, to me, one of the greatest drummers of all time. Like, like you just said, he's like... He played with everybody, but everybody you know imaginable. And Roy was a great influence on our band too, because at the time the songs that weren't originals, uh, we did a lot of the stuff he did, such as the tune diverse, um, 
James, he does, by Pat Metheny. And there's a couple other tunes we do in the book that are, aren't coming to mind, but they were. it was funny because the repertoire he had were tunes that we played, too. It was, it was really kind of funny to go to hear him play that after we, we did our set. And so uh, so where did that gig take place, and what was that whole environment like? That was at, uh, all of this was at Boise State University. It was at the concert hall there. There was a pretty good attendance, I hear, but for, uh, it's Boise. It's not the greatest, like you said, jazz capital of the world, but there was a good attendance. It was great to see so many people come out and hear jazz. And did you guys get a chance to hang uh, with Roy's band at all? Yeah, before we played and um, a little bit after we played, we got to hang. And then afterwards, we hung out with, uh, we talked to Christian McBride for, for a while in his dressing room. Then the next thing that happens, and this, as you mentioned, this is the part you were actually less excited about but may prove to be more fruitful in the long run, is that the other thing that you get is a recording contract. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in the jazz world, that's not like, you know, you win American Idol and you get a recording contract. I mean, in the jazz world, if a record sells 10,000 copies, it's a mega hit. So a jazz record is not the same kind of product as a pop record, but... Uh, I gotta believe for uh, you know a group of guys who are still in college and probably wouldn't be able to afford to put a record out any other way. This must have been a pretty cool thing. Uh, talk about uh, the studio you recorded and and what that experience was like. Yeah, um, we recorded in Bill Crane's studios. Um, they're here in Kansas City, and Bobby knows him really well. And his son actually goes to UMKC, and Bobby uh, claims. That's the place to go, and, and we know through experience that he has he's done great um, recordings, and uh, he has a great sound, and he has a great great facilities. So that was the place that we we ended up doing it, and it it turned out great. Bill Crane was really nice because they the the competition gave us a certain amount of money to use, and he said. That's all he needed, and, and that's all he 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 mixed it and mastered it for us and everything. So we were really fortunate on that end as well, and we're really happy with with what he's done with it. And uh, Bobby produced the record too, right? That is correct. Bobby was in the studio, and and he was really more than anything just inspirational. You know, when there was we we did a take, and we were all looking at each other, kind of like, uh, was that good enough? He was a yeah, that's it, that's it, that's you know, go with it. <laughs> Is Bobby, uh, uh, I've interviewed him uh, several times, but I've never asked him this question. Is he uh, a one-take kind of a guy or a many-take kind of a guy? Well, one-take and not the literal sense, because we did, we, we were, we did the, the, the recording in two days, and, and most of the songs were either two takes or one takes. So, you know, if it wasn't the first take, by the second take, he was like, yeah, that's it. You, know, you guys don't need to be doing any more. So now you've got the record, uh, you've already got you know an opening for uh, Roy Haynes under your belt, and uh, you're still in college, so I'm wondering what, um, you know, what if any kind of free time to, to tour in support of this record do you guys have? That's a good question, and what has happened is, uh, right before the start of school, I had been working on radio promotion myself, because Origin gave us a list of, they sent it to about 350 some radio stations, and um, I was making calls and emails, and you know, I, I got in touch with you, and so I did that for a while, and and it, and it kind of got, I'm, I kind of just kind of fizzled out with that process because it it took so much so much work, and because I would research individual stations and people, and and really you know look into who I was getting in touch with, and school you know school started, and so we're our our idea is to 
is to hit specific places during the school year so we don't miss so much school and aim for a tour in the summer. Um, we set up a gig at Catalina's in L.A. on October 22nd, and um, Ben is working on trying to get us a, um, a gig in, in New York. So we're trying to do, you know, like singular shows not as opposed to tours during the school year. Well, the album, uh, you know, I, I, I say no to as many people as, as I say yes to, and uh, the album is just really fantastic. I mean, the, the writing is, is great, and the, the playing really carries it off. And I, I, I couldn't have been more surprised when I learned, you know, kind of where it came from in the story, because it, it really sounds like you guys have been together for years, and uh, I hope you will be for years to come. Uh, my guest is Herman Mahari. Uh, he plays trumpet in a band called uh, Diverse, or Diverse, I guess, depending on uh, which side of the country you're from. Um, <laughs> And uh, their new album, which is self-titled, is out now on Origin Records, and uh, I urge you to seek it out. It's it's well worth it. Herman, it's been a real pleasure talking to you, and I wish uh, you and the guys just all the best of luck in the future. Thank you, Jason. Diverse from their self-titled debut album on Origin Records. You've been listening to The Jazz Session. I'm Jason Crane. The Jazz Session is presented by AllAboutJazz.com, the web's leading source for jazz news, reviews, MP3 downloads, and more. Every episode of The Jazz Session is also available for free at TheJazzSession.com and in iTunes. The Jazz Session has an email mailing list, which you'll find at the site. If you're on Facebook, there's a group for The Jazz Session. I give away music at both those places. The theme music for this show is by the Respect Sextet online at respectsextet.com. Thanks also to Dave Vrabel, who designed The Jazz Session's logo. This show is distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivative Works 3.0 United States License. Thanks so much for listening. Please support live jazz whenever and wherever you can. And come back next time for another conversation about jazz on the Jazz Session.
evening, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.